Welcome to Brave. Be inspired by the best leaders of Southeast Asia tech. Build the future, learn from our past, and stay human in between. I'm Jeremy Ao, a VC founder and father. Join us for transcripts, analysis, and community at www.jeremyao.com. Okay, cool. Go for it. I'll give some context as uh, you might have known like previously. So I'm actually like working on this new initiative within our NUS club. Uh, so it's really to like help like new founders build their MVPs or like build their products. And uh, we're wondering how we can go about setting up incorporation based on your previous experience with uh, contract consulting. Yeah, we talked to like TYS and, and Reactor and currently what seems to be a good option is to set up a non-profit, like a company limited by guarantee with charity status. But we were wondering like if you have any separate thoughts based on your experience in Conchap. If that is the best option, how did you go about doing it? I think the way to think about incorporation is just saying like, what is your most likely revenue source? So, you know, work backwards from there. If you think that your end requirement is going to be donations, then it's going to be charity and if it's not, it's going to be us. Similarly, if you believe that your revenue is primarily going to be from classic commercial activities, then you should be a private limited. So I think that's the crux of it. Obviously, there's some minor tax advantages from being a charity, etc. But honestly, at this you know level volume that you're probably going to become is not a significant uh, differentiator between both sides. Great. So we're wondering, like, because while most of our money is going to come from like commercial activities, like taking on projects for other clients. So I mean, that points to being a private limited is uh, based on what you've mentioned. But at the same time, we don't really want to say keep the profits. So let's say if we make money, it shouldn't be the case whereby the um, like there's an exco team and then it shouldn't be a case whereby this exco team gets to keep the money. La. So we want to like see like how we can safeguard this uh, as well. If that's the case, then you can always write it into the constitution if you're a private company and say that you're a social enterprise. So set up as a private company in terms of the company structure. Obviously, publicly, you're a social enterprise. You can even get all the way to become certified as a B corporation all the way there. But internally, what's more important is that you have a code of conduct or a constitution or equivalent bylaws that regulate how you intend to govern the distribution of that. That being said, whether you want to maintain it or how hard you want to hard code it is obviously something that you may want to keep flexible for a while because the truth is you have not necessarily decided or discovered how your product market fit to be a sustainable enterprise as well. So you believe right now that you are going to do clients commercially, but you may not necessarily have discovered whether the market wants it. <laughs> Neither have you discovered whether the rate that you can get and the velocity that you do it is enough to support the size or the quality of the company you're trying to build. So what it means is that you can't really hard code the percentage, for example, or the objectives. So at best, you know, you could write in the internal constitution, like the spirit of which you're trying to achieve, and then make sure that your leadership team is thinking about it from a mission and values perspective. Great. So in the case of Conjung, why was a company like limited by guarantee like the best option for you? And did you all like explore other options prior to that as well? 
Frankly, I'm a more sophisticated understanding of company structures today of all the different types than I was when I was making the decision years ago. And then two is that years ago when I was asking questions just like you were, the people who could answer that question for me were much less sophisticated or mature about it because the concept of social enterprises or setting things up were much less mature in terms of the understanding in terms of the development of it. B corporations was at the time just a cookie idea, <laughs> which we discussed in one of my more recent podcasts. At that point of time, social enterprises were considered relatively new, only a couple of years old, to be honest, in Singapore and Southeast Asia. So more, at the time, most people were really considering whether it should be a society or a charity, right? <laughs> that was the space or frame of the discussion, right? So I think for us in that context, that was the parameters of a lot of the discussion, I would say. And so we decided against a society based on the, I think, cumbersome compliance, I think, from a membership enrollment and registrar requirements for what we needed to do from, I think, velocity and decision-making perspective, from our perspective. So we felt society was not a good fit for our, our requirements from a consulting and kind perspective. I think that was the big one. And yeah, we moved ahead with being a CLG for that. I think, and whether we would become a charity or not was something that we decided on later. We didn't need to make that decision. So we went for ahead of the CLG because we felt that was the best of both worlds. If I was making a decision today, I feel like I would be open to either a private limited or a CLG. I don't think it would be as clear cut. And I, obviously, I think that would be a different conversation altogether. But I think uh, it's more important that the mission, the vision, the values, the constitution are have those values in. That's much more important, actually, than the actual company structure, right? Thanks a lot for that. But uh, we were just wondering, are there any like big differences between like a company limited by guarantee and a private limited in terms of, say, your operations or in terms of, say, your setup? Because I understand that in the case of like company limited by guarantee, like as in like a non-profit, you would need like a board structure, right? But that may not necessarily be the case in a private limited. Yes, I mean, yeah, that's, so you require a board for a company limited by guarantee. And um, of course, you should check with this with the, someone who is much more familiar with the current company understanding. So I'm actually taking cues from you, actually. That being said, a private limited company can have a board as well. So there's no issue against you having a board at a private limited company if that's what you want to have as well. Yeah, because I actually was thinking like contrary to that, we wanted something that probably is not as cumbersome to between a private limited and a CLG. Our understanding was that a CLG is a little bit more cumbersome, but at the same time, you won't have to do as much ACRA filings or is that like wrong from my understanding? Or is the same on both ends? What are the key differences between a CLG and a private limited? <laughs> I'm going to defer to a company lawyer on this, you know, and... Because things change, right, from year to year. Right. And the last time I did this was back in 2011, 2012, right? So that's almost 10 years ago. So counting on me would be a bad idea, I would say. Uh, and I'm happy to admit that, right? I think what I'm trying to say here is you have to make that executive decision. I think the core crux, I think, of the issue is less about the cumbersomeness. I think you're thinking about it from a requirement basis. I think you have to think about it from a shareholding perspective. I think that was true in any scenario, which is the shares, the ownership requirements of a private limited company, who does it belong to? I think that's the real difference between a private limited company and a CLG, right? Because in a CLG, there's no ownership, there's no shares involved in 
uh, that's the core crux of difference that has not changed from the past 10 years. And so I think it's something that you have to think quite carefully about because this can be held in a personal name or is it going to be held in trust or some equivalent of it. And it's quite key, actually. And uh, I think this is, this is also interesting. So let's say in the case of like conjunct or in the case of what we're trying to do, there's going to be like regular turnover of staff. So in this case, uh, especially amongst like senior roles. So in this case, a private limited may not make as much sense in terms of like your ownership of ownership of the company uh, as compared to a CLG. Well, it depends on how you wait for the ownership with, right? You know, the ownership of the company. If you are the founder, then, you know, you may be on it for a long time in any scenario, either as a CLG or as a private limited. The fundamental fact is that if you're the founder and you're incorporating this, you have to be there as executive in charge of the ownership in any scenario, because even in CLG, because there's no ownership, it's still controlled by the board in terms of executive uh, control. And so who you choose there, you know, it doesn't fundamentally break the fundamental question, which is who is in control of it. The only question is the dynamic control based on shareholding or is the dynamic control based on the director's seat, right, in that sense. And that's something that you have to decide which one you're comfortable with. By setting this entity up, you have to choose preferred form of stability and control, right? I think another way to think about it as well is if you think CLG, you foreclose the possibility of future private investment because you no longer have shares, etc. You're no longer able to take on private investments, like angels or other investments, or like VCs, right? Whereas private limited, you can potentially take the capital down the road. So you foreclose capital contributions. Let's say you're raising external money. The only way you can do so is through donations. Yeah, but it's not really raising money, right? Because you're just getting a donation. Yeah. It's fundraising for donations. But it's not. (laughs) But it's not fundraising for investment dollars. You can't fundraise investment capital, which is different. That's interesting. Okay. So fundamentally, why you're asking yourself here a little bit is you shouldn't be thinking too hard about cumbersome or not because you're asking a lot of questions which imply how what is the easiest way to incorporate something? But the real question is, what are your goals for this thing? Mm. If your big vision is let's set up a dinky outfit to do some services in the short term, then there's no requirement to set up anything. You can do services today without setting up any entity. And if your goal is to set up something dinky for a short period of time, like for a couple of years, there's also no requirement <laughs> to set up anything because you can also do that in your free time as a volunteer and so forth. I think the real question now is, if we want to set up something large, do you want to set up a large, effectively, nonprofit or charity-like structure? Or do you want to set up a large social enterprise or investment-like uh, capital dynamic approach with you at helm? So you got to work backwards from that vision. Mm, great. I think that's roughly more of the questions we have at this point. Uh, that's how interesting to think. Back. So if I may summarize the main takeaways is, first of all, it doesn't matter too much between CLG or Registrar Society or Private Limited. The main thing is your code of conduct and your constitution. What you want to hard code into that, as in the vision basically. And uh, other than that, it's also that CLGs, um, I guess we shouldn't take too much of that cumbersome mentality and instead try to understand the, uh, try to understand two things. One is our ownership perspective, like who does it belong to? And the second is, in the long run, how do we foresee this going along? 
Yeah. What's the strategic plan, right? What's the five-year vision of this thing? Which is, the truth is that you are committing to this entity if you set this up. You are committing to this for the next 10 years. Mm. You shouldn't budget anything less than that. So five to 10 years. Because that's what I gave in terms of time. In the case of uh, conjunct consulting, did you plan with, say, like uh, eventually like you have to step back or whatnot? Or was that like not in your calculus at the, at the very beginning? I knew that I was going to build this. And I knew that I wanted to build this to be strong and sustainable. And I knew that it would be sustainable both financially and from a people side as well, right? Because I initially built it to be you know, a social enterprise. And so I knew that it wasn't going to be my entire career in that sense. Right. I knew it wasn't a 20-year career, if that makes sense. And once you know that, then it's a matter of when, not if. And so it's a when, not if, then you have to think quite carefully about what does it take to build. The question you know, I'm going to ask you is, the question back on you is you get this and you say, is this something that I care about so much that, that this could be my career? That I want to drive this to become number one, to be the best, to be huge or for the next 10, 20, 30 years. And if the answer is yes, then the question is what then you should incorporate something. And then the second, second question after that is when you say, think of that, then you don't worry to worry about the code of conduct, etc. all these things, because the truth is you will be in the executive leadership. So that's the code of conduct because you will be the controller and the owner of it, either through ownership or through the board in either form because you will have that time horizon to manage and lead it. Then the question though is, in that vision for your 10, 20 years as you build this out, are you building this out to be, like you said, a charity? Are you building this out to be a social enterprise? Are you building this out to be for-profit in thing that provides a return to investment and will absorb investment capital. And if it's going to absorb investment capital from angels and so forth, then it has to be private limited for sure. If it's going to receive donations primarily, then it should definitely be a CLG, if that's the vision, right? And if it's a social enterprise, where it's, you know, obviously customer contracts, but maybe see some investment dollars, then it's probably more likely to be a private limited because you can't, again, receive investment dollars without being private limited. As a private limited, you can always receive donations from the public, like crowdfunding, right, or equivalent. They don't have any tax benefits. So I think that's the question that you have to ask yourself. Great. I think that's quite interesting. And uh, definitely I'll think about it. Like, I do have a rough answer to that. But again, I don't think it's as refined as I would like it to be after after this conversation. Yeah, I know what is saying that it's super straightforward. We set out a conversation outside in, which is what is the difference between a private limited and a CLG? And is it more cumbersome? What is that? And what do other people do? Et cetera. That's what outside in, right? Outside in, therefore, what should you do? But we're starting to wrap up this conversation inside out, which is what is your vision for this company and what do you see that revenue mix going to be that supports your vision of the company and therefore the company structure that supports it in 10 years' time? Because when you're bringing your successor in 10 years' time, then say they are going to be picking up your vision from there. And so you don't, you're not going to change the company structure from there. So they'll keep the ball going from there. So you need to make sure that how you incorporate has to be aligned with that. So choosing your company structure based on cumbersome, not cumbersome, et cetera, is short-term expensive, long-term cheap versus short-term cheap, long-term expensive kind of thinking. You got to think about our way around, which is how do I uh, make sure that it's aligned with what we need to build it towards you? 
Great. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Brave. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share this episode with friends and colleagues. Sign up at www.jeremyow.com to discuss this episode with other community members in our forum. Stay well and stay brave.